Education is what's important. Training, preparation for the expected. Education, preparation for the unexpected. Good morning, Team Kulak community. And on behalf of Marine Corps University, the Marine Corps University Foundation, and the Brew Krulak Center for Innovation and Future Warfare, welcome back to the Brewcast, our series designed to connect the worlds of the warfighter and PME with the best and innovative and creative thought. I'm your host, Major Ian Brown, Operations Officer at the Krulak Center. Before we begin, please remember that all opinions expressed here are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Krulak Center, Marine Corps University, the United States Marine Corps, or any other agency of the U.S. government. So thanks to the generosity of the College of Distance Education and Training here at Marine Corps University, this is a very special episode where we get to hear from Lieutenant Colonel Pablo Budayevsky, who currently serves as Chief of Section of International Partners, Cooperation and Development in the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine. He has served in uniform for 17 years at various levels of command and also represented Ukraine in the 2017 Invictus Games as a professional swimmer, where I believe you won several medals um, in, in those games. He is also a graduate of the Marine Corps Command and Staff College. He graduated in 2019. And so we're pleased to welcome him here back to Quantico to share his experiences and insights. So uh, Pavlo, welcome. Uh, definitely appreciate you taking the time to come here and, and speak with our audience and share your, your knowledge and experiences. And um, uh, really the first thing, first question that we talked about here was if you could just explain to our audience a little bit more of your, your professional military background um, places that you served previously, and then, uh, uh, well, you know, you obviously you're here in the United States right now. What's what's your mission here during your visit? Yeah, so I'm happy to be here. It's uh, I would like to take this opportunity to explain my to express my gratitude for giving me possibility to share fresh updated to the reality to the reality combat experience. And uh, it's honor for me to keep alive relations with the educational institution where I was I was studying 2019 and then come back and to give my my personal practical experience my knowledge from uh, a freshly updated knowledge from uh, uh, battle from the battlefield uh, in order to give uh, to your educational institution uh, more uh, information more updates uh, and uh, actually, it's it's a chance to save to save your Marines' lives uh, in the next generation battles with within our adversaries. So, um, I am I've been serving for 17 years. Uh, I get some 10 plus years experience in soft units. Uh, my first uh, meeting with the United States experience was in 2012. I was in uh, Defense Scientist Institute. Uh, that's kind of served for me as a general introduction to American service. And then I uh, practiced uh, for half a year with the uh, soft units uh, of US Navy. And then came back. Uh, and uh, after my returning to Ukraine uh, in 2014, I met first uh, first battle experience uh, as a team leader for soft units um, and uh, partially it looked like what we have been having since full invasion from Russia in 2022 but it was mixed uh, more hybrid approach uh, like uniting uniting uh, regular forces 
of Russian Federation and also with the local separatists and like with uh, with other people like locals citizens who support the Russian movement um, and of course uh, all this uh, 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 mm, fightings uh, all this uh, combat operations they uh, they give a lot information about uh, enemies tactics uh, they uh, they if uh, they push us to act more faster in order to update our techniques our approaches to the battlefield uh, so uh, and having this experience since uh, 2014 till 2018 when I um, came back here to the United States in order to study in uh, Marine Corps University so I had already some background of what uh, battle is and how does it look like for us in 21st century so it helped me uh, a lot to understand and to look for the next few uh, years for Ukraine uh, how we can apply American tactics techniques because uh, uh, I am pretty sure that we can't use straight American or European experience we have to update according to our circumstances and conditions mm -hmm. and uh, and I saw a lot of uh, cases when we just uh, we we had failures when we would like to apply something straight from our from our partners but it, it didn't work this this way so that's why uh, I just uh, I successfully graduated in 2019 from command staff college uh, I saw how Americans uh, uh, do planning process at different levels. Um, I um, I saw how uh, what's your requirements for future marine leaders. Uh, I noticed that there is no need to uh, push uh, officers to push Ukrainian officers just to learn uh, to learn very dry information in order to come up with the uh, test. In, in front of instructors and just to repeat everything from the book mm -hmm. it's like just dry information uh people just learn it expresses this uh, information uh pass the information to the instructors and they just forget it so basically what i see here um, we just we didn't we didn't learn uh, anything like for just to memorize well, we we did here more practical things more uh, by applying like planning processes, uh, that's what requires all your knowledge, what you read from the books, but actually you transform this information from the books on the map, but without, uh, without memorizing just simple text, mm -hmm. you know, by abstracts. So that's the main point. It's, uh, I think it's, uh, it, our approach still has roots from more uh, past past history from Soviet Union like so it's standard it was standard approach just to make all your students uh, memorize and then forget after after you successfully uh, will be done at the exam so this is the main point um, also in 2019 when I came back uh, I moved to more international cooperation direction uh, because I see uh, this is Great opportunity to uh, participate in and to work with our partners, 
as we uh, as as a global strategical Ukrainian intent to join NATO and European Union, it means we have to know how to work with our partners. We have to understand our partners, uh, and we have to at least not being as a member for now, but we have to be prepared for this uh, because uh, that's uh, kind of, kind of institutions that requires not only our will. Uh, it requires uh, background, it requires contacts within uh, all services, European, American and Ukrainian services. Uh, it requires it requires our understanding of our, our allies, Western allies, and also it requires uh, for our allies to see and understand our intents and our actions and our nature, global, uh, like human nature of Ukraine, of Ukrainians. Uh, so uh, I... Uh, I've been serving. I I came back from a service trip to Kiev in 2022, just three days before I watched in YouTube Putin's speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I received a message from uh, my uh, colleagues that like they warned me at night that uh, at four o'clock, at five o'clock a.m., Putin will launch offensive operations, and it it's it happened. Uh, probably around two, uh, three forty a.m., four a.m. The first Russian regular forces show up in our border patrol checkpoints. Um, to say that we didn't know any Russian attempts, I can say uh, we knew. We received a lot of extra information from our partners, especially from the United States, uh, and. Uh, of course, uh, we had been observed like a lot of information from satellites, uh, a lot of signals that um, uh, highlighted that probably enemy uh, has intent to launch offensive operations because there is no, there is what there was no reason to keep uh, 150,000 soldiers for 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 year more mm-hmm. than a year just close to our territory, especially when I uh, just try to calculate what the price to keep for the Russian government to keep this this one soldier uh, being present at the border. And uh, I got, I calculated approximate amount of money and it was like $50 American dollars. So if we multiply the total amount of Russian soldiers uh, stationed by the Ukrainian border by 50 and I received like approximately six million dollars per day so Russia's wasted Russia you know had wasted a lot of money just to to keep the soldiers you know living and existing close to to the Ukraine mm-hmm. so it means that uh, probably there's two ways or all, all those military camps will just disappear and all units will come back to their um, to their stations or they will move somewhere and second and second and second uh, yes the second way it was the second point that they moved somewhere and this somewhere is Ukraine now uh, so I just uh, uh, instead of my my unit uh, were evacuated because we you know we are doing more international cooperation so 
uh, there is no need to keep us at positions and trenches. But uh, I just voluntarily joined the uh, resistance movement. I I, do, I was asked by my friends from my past from my past experience that just joined them and uh, begin uh, from February 24th. I spent more than half year uh, driving and helping guys to organize to set uh, different small operations for small units. Uh, also, I was involved in air defense uh, uh, operations, also which were led by small units to at like maybe two or up to four person, mm -hmm. no more. Uh, with uh, we used we used actually personal cars, vehicles. It's like uh, I I remember those time when uh, I looked at the street. It there was chaotic panic for uh, civilians. They just uh, grabbed their children and uh, took their passports, money, and they and they moved to highways, heading to western part of Ukraine. Uh, and this caused a uh, traffic jam, maybe 700 kilometers long mm -hmm. traffic jam. And besides this, of course, our petrol station ran out of gas, ran out of the gas. So it was kind of very mm, difficult situation. Uh, and uh, after a few hours, mm, at the beginning of the full invasion, as we know that we had already invasion in 2014, uh, I already heard ro rockets, uh, explosions, and uh, I observed Russian helicopters. They just uh, with they just uh, tried to land somewhere close to Kiev and just to disembark their soldiers and to uh, put their soft guys at the critical objects mm -hmm. close to Kiev. So uh, all those actions uh, I observed from fifth, uh, yeah, five stairs building close to Kiev, does uh, down by uh, what, uh, Kiev water reservoir, like it's huge lake, artificial lake with the dam. So it's critical infrastructure. And uh, I just uh, got another guys, we received two stingers. Mm, and as I, as I knew English, so I just, I firstly met stingers uh, you know, as a weapon not from pictures, but uh, personally, I touched this uh, weapon and uh, I just, uh, and we didn't know how to use it. But we already observed Russian helicopters just uh, flying uh, at the lower, the lower height as they can above the water, maybe like 20 meters, made from 20 to 30 meters. So it's in order to avoid uh, our defense system mm -hmm. and it's like, uh, it's a basic. It's a basic nature for uh, for pilots just to uh, to fly closer to the ground as as lower as they can, because it decreases uh, our possibility to locate them. And that's what I actually used at this time. Uh, and I just uh, downloaded. I opened YouTube. I found some old video from uh, like the American soldier described how to use Stinger. And like I just uh, translated to guys and uh, step by step. And also I looked at the field manual. I downloaded field manual by the US Army, some maybe 30 years old, but uh, it's 14 page document. I just uh, scrolled down to the instructions. 
because uh, by that time I didn't I, I didn't need to know you know characteristics. Just I know it covers up to uh, 10, 11 kilometers approximately. Mm, but uh, I just needed to understand where I should use this battery because it has some very it requires some very it's uh, not heavy, like difficult but it's like it's not easy to understand with the batteries because it has like consists of some um, like uh, gas which like uh, free kind of help to Pulls the seeker head yes yes yeah. yes and also it's it also like works maybe for 40 seconds so it's kind of it's very difficult when you touch it first and when you have 40 seconds to apply your to just to to use your chance to shoot somewhere mm -hmm. so uh but that's a general situation for us because so we mobilized a lot of people the huge huge lines in uh, our mobilization centers uh and that's why and uh, i know that we have some core of soft units they they were ready so they knew how to do it. They knew how to apply, how to use javelins and laws, stingers. But that's a more in general view. That's what we have, like on the at the simple situation somewhere on the roof. Um, and uh, uh, so in this case here, yeah, uh, we waited for helicopters. But uh, on the both uh, sides of this reservoir, it's a huge uh, maybe in some. In some places, we have like 10 kilometers wide of this reservoir. So we we had mobile uh, stingers uh, uh, like stations based on Humvee. Mm -hmm. So these guys, they of course they knew because they they knew how to operate with the Humvee. They they are more they are more successful because they have like uh, not limited gas, not I mean batteries like uh, uh, some. Uh, big batteries, so they can just try to yeah. aim at uh, uh, air targets many more times than we. Yeah. So and we by each single we hit just two batteries. So it's just it means if you waste your 40, first 40 seconds, you uh, have only one battery for the next 40 seconds. Yeah. And uh, honestly, uh, uh, I, th I think stingers uh, is pretty nice weapon uh that's what we need but uh when uh, russians um, employed uh, air fighters so they use the technique when they uh fly uh to the target at the uh, height maybe up to five kilometers and then they just go down descend very fast up to like 800 meters they launch uh, bombs into positions and then they just ascend very fast. And when you are when when this of room this side of Kiev, so it's like there are a lot of massive, massive um, uh, park zones. It's like just wild pine forest. So basically, if you don't have any opportunity to find some uh, high point, so. You just I just told guys don't even try to use stingers because you don't, we'll waste we'll, we, mm -hmm. because you'll waste eighty thousand dollars just for just for nothing and it's not enough to catch uh, plane because uh, you sit in the forest and you have a very limited view of the mm -hmm. sky you hear plane you can locate plane but it it's like it's like uh, 
you know, uh, uh, they fly very fast and you just can't catch it. So from this point of view, I just uh, made the conclusion that Stingers very successful, successful against helicopters. That's why I personally checked uh, close to Belarusian direction. We located two uh, KA 52s. Uh, so it's uh, uh, and uh, one point that uh, firstly we should operate uh, uh, air defense uh, instruments somewhere where enemy you know, doesn't expect. Mm -hmm. Especially when I see guys uh, being at the trenches with the infantry, that's a mistake because uh, infantry positions has to be as a trap, as an attraction, as a major attraction for enemy, for the enemy. So if artillery sharings uh, go to our trenches, this air defense guy cannot operate because they will hide, they will down with the stinger somewhere in the deep in the trench. So basically, uh, for air defense guys, they need to find uh, own and set own personal positions uh, close to the trench, to the, close to the our positions, but maybe from right or left flank, but not being a set main target for the artillery, yeah. for the enemy. Uh, uh, also, uh, uh, if you uh, like, uh, it's an uh, advantage of the cities that we can get on the roof and cover some uh, air, some air. But uh, if uh, if we operate in the forest, so it's basically it's uh, maybe there is no need to take stingers just just you know to keep them somewhere uh, because uh, usually when Russian covers. Uh, as our positions with artillery is like dig, digs up everything like around. Yeah. Uh, so basically, it's uh, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah, just it uh, it's, uh, destroys everything uh, around positions. So uh, maybe I, I I would I would place uh, air defense instruments somewhere in the rear, uh, or as I said, to place guys somewhere like in the concealed position in the forest and like to wait and wait when enemy will react in, on the, our positions uh also it's uh i think it's um, very important that uh basically this tinger leaves smoke smoke mm -hmm. after launch so they need to have extra positions just uh, have to be prepared positions so that means that uh they just uh launch stinger and then they run to fall back, fall back somewhere yes because it's uh i uh, watched a lot of uh, uh russian videos and i am pretty sure that all those characteristics that russians um as uh, presented about uh, uh, very smart systems in uh, mounted in their helicopters uh that the systems warn them warn their pilots if is about some possibility of launching uh, air defense instruments. Uh, I think it's uh, it's more fake. Maybe maybe some limited uh, amount of helicopters uh, have, have these uh, systems. Mm -hmm. But the major cases in my in my practice, I, I never I never seen uh, like helicopters uh, 
which react as I apply, you know, this warhead, thermal and infra systems, sensitive elements. So it means they just uh, see you uh, when you launch Stinger or they usually fly by uh, pairs or by two pairs. So they have eyes on different all around. All yeah. around. So that's why uh, if you, if I, and that's why this is a, a nice point that I just remember that we launched, we tried to launch Singer as a second, as a back, as a second uh, pair or, or at a second uh, helicopter in order to not lead to the uh, back helicopter to uh, inform first helicopter about launching Stinger. Because um, if this pilot is a back pilot, tells informs first pilot about yeah. first machine about launching and they see smoke, they just turn around. Uh, they uh, <clears throat> try to fly uh, unguided rockets, maybe some machine guns, but it's like, it's gonna be a short answer. Pilots are very scared. They, uh, I feel like more psychological uh, nature of human, of uh, of these pilots. So they just even uh, can shoot at us, but it's, it's going to be like for 10, 20 seconds, and then they just disappear, go down, descend, and using like fields and this small uh, forest lines for cover, and they just disappear. Yeah. Um, so since we're we're talking about some of the, the tactical things you've seen, I want to give a chance for. Our our guests in the room here or our audience members in the room to kind of expand on that from their own perspective. So um, if you guys have a sort of a question about that yes. you want to start with? Yes, sir. So um, I actually had a question. You mentioned like at the earlier that there were allied tactics that you guys tried to use and they didn't work out and you had to adapt them. Are there any of those specifically you can speak to or any of them that either came from like the US or the Marine Corps that just didn't apply in the context of what you're fighting in Ukraine? So uh, generally, uh, I would like to say about um, you know, applying huge massive forces like uh, we did in wargaming in, in different continents here, like we played so, and we, and um, in your ideology, you, you always are able to request aircraft carrier group. And it's like, <laughs> which bring you everything like from air stingers and co until to the coke but uh, cold coke <laughs> but uh, you know i think uh, uh, it's a great idea because you know your forces you know your capabilities but for us we couldn't do that we didn't have a uh, huge amount of forces uh, firstly uh, secondly uh, amount of forces requires some place to deploy it means to dig trench and when you fight somewhere not in the field, but basically around the city, so it's like uh, city infrastructure, it's a forest, it's like petrol stations. So mm -hmm. it's like, um, it's very difficult to just make a trench around it. So it's, uh, so that's why we try to, uh, to set our checkpoints, but, uh, we send a lot of uh, like small recon teams with uh, air defense instruments, with just uh, mines. Uh, our soft guys was working around uh, this military convoys, and they can go through very easily through just using night vision or thermal vision through enemy positions. 
and they I, 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 I just observed a lot of videos they just they can uh, they could reach Russian artillery positions not far from Kiev without being exposed by the enemy and they they uh, put mines straight on the vehicle they said uh, they set up some timers for like 30 minutes mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, just uh, without like a rush they just could leave this enemy positions enemy territory have nice com communication uh, communication uh, it's a, that's a problem for us we just uh, we are fighting with this all weather conditions or even landscape because uh, if you don't have uh, in a system which magnifies you like uh, or increases your capability comes capability right which you need for example for operation if you send guys six kilometers away from your position from your like a forward headquarters command post and you're sitting somewhere underground and uh, you like it's very difficult to control your people and to uh, and to see what's going on on the left flank on the right flank and uh, in order to avoid friendly fire because uh, you know it's uh, Russians uh, use sometimes they uh, they use our uniforms uh, so it's definitely they used a few small small uh, scale operations when uh, they changed out into Ukrainian uh, uniforms and then just uh, went to our trenches mm -hmm. and killed all the guys but they have very very small cases like that and they actually you know uh, they didn't they didn't use the situation so they came they erupted the positions they kill guys and they disappear so basically, and we didn't have any uh, enemy like uh, enemy operations on this area where they killed our guys. So, so they don't, they don't try and exploit so, it. Yeah. So they just like uh, maybe I think uh, this kind of type of human they just like mm, Robin Hood maybe they like you know um, maybe assault guys maybe maybe it's a signal that not each uh, action rush action uh, has connection with the headquarters. So basically, they risk people. These people, small recon teams, which were trained and like uh, well funded by Russian government, they sent in the Ukraine in the Ukrainian uniform to kill guys. They clear you know, some little scale of trenches, uh, and they come back. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, in this case, if our guys were more informed or maybe we have a lot of mobilized guys so their lack of experience mm -hmm. and knowledge so that's why they uh, got in trouble in this case but uh, for today probably we learn a lot and that's why for today i think this kind of operation will never uh, have any successful uh, results for russians so that's why they just risk their life they killed a few guys and they came back and we didn't have any breakthrough mm -hmm. in, the, in this uh, line of operation um, so that's why we had to apply our techniques um, that we if if our air defense group or if our recon team uh, operates somewhere they probably have to rely on their uh, power on their uh, capabilities uh, so that's why they don't have to carry like 20 magazines for, huge amounts of grenades so at least they need to locate people locate enemy 
call through Starlink or satellite to our headquarters to uh, coordinate with artillery units mm -hmm. and just uh, send some gifts to Russians. That's it. It's going. It's, it has to be very. Uh, it has to be very light team uh, with the, like with light tech carriers with the. Uh, with very limited amount of ammo because they're not going to set infantry positions. They are going there in order to locate enemy, to coordinate with artillery system and just disappear. Because if they get exposed, it's, it means that um, they are going to be like, uh, you know, rabbits running out from wolf mm -hmm. uh, trying to cut the whole forest by artillery and aviation. Uh, that's what happened in the near to Belarus, uh, where we had our uh, observation post by the con teams uh, station approximately 30 kilometers away from our first line. So in this case, um, I said to the guys, so you bring everything with you, what you would like to, and everything like most. It was, it, this kit was about um, surviving, not to, uh, not to keep fighting for mm -hmm. two days in a row so it's it's about surviving it's about to uh divide by small teams by two by pairs and just to you know having some compass like navigation and just uh, to get uh, back to our positions uh, and that's why it's like there's no aviation evacuation nothing no aircraft carriers no no support and uh yeah i think maybe it's it lays this approach lays more with heroic approach like to send but it's but uh, in order to uh, decrease of this risk we just uh, used to uh, say guys that they didn't have to bring them very heavy things if they go they they go uh, just with mines for example and a few magazines uh, they said Afghan style bomb with a shape charge. So basically, it's uh, uh, this situation requires to, to do this. Uh, because uh, when we uh, when I observed, uh, actually, I'm witnessed how Russians used uh, Russian infrastructure, especially roads and highways in Chernobyl zone. Uh, they, uh, they adopted also this uh, Soviet standards to the convoys. So they divided uh, after one, maybe half, half a month of, to be deployed near Kiev, they, uh, they didn't need to have huge convoys, but they did send a lot of small uh, convoys by 10 vehicles, five to 10 vehicles to deliver ammo and food and some supplies. Uh, and basically they um, reinforced all these convoys by uh, heavy infantry vehicles, BMP-1, BMP-2, and uh, with tanks. So they, according to the like, uh, Soviet and past Soviet uh, literature, you know, we didn't expect so heavy reinforced convoys, but Russians uh, are capable to reinforce and just to send two tanks with some convoys. So it means that by those times they had a lot of uh, vehicles power to to get to send to these convoys to give him few infantry fighting vehicles or tanks. They increased speed of this convoy. So if uh, we talk about just wheel or wheel transportation, so maybe they can go up to 80 kilometers. 
uh, per hour they increase uh, distances between cars up to maybe 200 meters so basically if uh, one car will uh, one car will be crashed or destroyed by our units through in ambush or something like this so they will a uh, driver in the back they have 200 meters uh, to react so it's like maybe 10 seconds to react to stop or just go through uh, but also it depends in which direction they go so if they go to reinforce their forces so they will just go straight and they will never stop even to help the like, first car uh, but uh, also they used uh, like uh, tanks tactics when they uh, usually if they send two, two tanks per convoy one tank goes uh, with the commander on the top so the commander looks uh, like round but the latest tank the back he goes probably maybe he keeps distance up to 300 meters or 400 meters so it's kind of far away from the main core of the convoy but this tank is fully loaded and, and ready to engage in any second so he has like turned uh, barrel into the side mm -hmm. and he and no people sticking around so it's just ready to engage uh, as soon as he uh, listens to something or, or sees some, some something in front of him so that's why it's kind of uh, decreased our capability to uh conduct classical uh, classic classic ambushes like line ambushes or v v-shape ambushes uh because uh, uh the dn it's like uh, situation requires something more smart approach and this smart approach lays only in uh, using um, like afghan style bombs so basically you have small teams they carry a few artillery rounds to the road uh, we uh, used I just developed tactics that I bought some electronic um, electronic chainsaws mm -hmm. from just local store uh, by on the battery uh, because it's a uh, gas chainsaw it's too loud wow, yeah. uh, and also we try to use shape charges to cut the tree but shape charges is also like too loud and uh, when you do this with uh, when your hands shaking, so sometimes a tree doesn't fall down when you expect, like when you at the place when the exact place when where you expect to be. So that's why I think chainsaws, electric chainsaws, was like breakthrough in our approach to just cut the tree, cut the pines, uh, just stop there, uh, kind kind try to try to block the road. And then in this case, we just launch, uh, man launched uh, a machine and to uh, explode, to, to make this gift explode. So uh, I think this is only the best way how we can do because there is no chance to open fire mm -hmm. at, at all, at all. And also after our first visits, I noticed uh, Russians, they distantly uh, uh, using like distance way to mine our territories, especially as the like uh, very dangerous uh, turning points or the crossroads. So where the enemy convoy should decrease their speed. So they use mines, uh, POMs 2M. So it's kind of, they uh, could launch them from uh, machines or from helicopters. It's uh, each round 
contains of uh, two mines and they can uh, shoot from helicopters or artillery. So, and uh, it's like, uh, it has main charge and additional charge. Additional charge uh, initiates uh, uh, special construction, which kind, kind of stabilizes this mine on the ground and then shoots up like uh, small uh, sensors. And then if the sensors, you know, some, somebody can like, uh, touch the sensors, so it will be exposed. So kind of smart, smart mm -hmm. mines. But uh, they're very dangerous when you look, uh, when you read instructions. But I think uh, they, I, um, I saw a lot of these mines exploded by the animals or just because of weather conditions. So basically, I came to the position, we set the ambush uh, or just uh, uh, look, uh, try to, to set observation point, post. And then after walking around maybe like uh, half an hour, I just lo located these mines, but they were already exploded. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so uh, I think uh, they can live in this under weather conditions and uh, in the forest maybe for a few days. So basically, uh, guys do not get a chance to be exploded on this mine. So it's smart mine, but uh, all this uh, surrounding conditions, I think it's uh, help us to just avoid this mines. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to turn to you. Um, sure. Um, um, so my question, so based on some of the readings I've done, uh, it looks like Ukraine kind of reformed some of its military policies and adapted more of a mission command philosophy after about the 2014 invasion. That seems to be the kind of point that, I, that I've read about. Um, would you agree with that? And if so, would you attribute the success that you guys have had uh, to Mission Command, or is it due more to something else? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think um, looking at our map, and uh, especially in Donbass region, um, so uh, we see some previous front line from 2014. And Russians, in some places, even as of today, Russians um, don't have any success uh, in their offensives against uh, us at this points at this front line. It means that for the eight years of uh, war, uh, all those units and all these positions they were like successfully updated and like reinforced. So Russians, by applying regular army forces, they can't do anything. So I think it has something with uh, our experience, you know, our lesson learned. Of course, uh, I would like to see. I would like to see that we have changes, uh, positive positive changes, without losing people, without uh, losses. Uh, but of course, uh, I think losses is a critical point to push us to push uh, all this bureaucracy system and uh, mission command and all, all this. Uh, different uh, uh, sections in our Ministry of Defense to find other ways because they understand this uh, human losses. So that's why it's uh, this uh, our success has has a few po a few sides. Uh, I think it's because so we had uh, we we have experience from 2014. I think we, um, our losses in uh, our uh, Ukrainian 
real strong will to and desire to win and to get rid of Russians uh, pushes us, you know, to and make us faster to be uh, to make the right right decisions uh, to change our nature of war. Uh, so it basically, our success contains consists of consists of uh, a lot of things. Uh, our experience, lessons learned, our strong will to de desire to win. Uh, uh, basically, uh, all I think it's kind of uh, each nation has different has different you know um, um, different approaches how they see their future. But in our case, uh, all revolutions or the head it means it's a, it's a signal that highlights that our nation. We'll never uh, tolerate uh, some somebody's aggression. So probably that's that belongs to the, our strong will to survive. Uh, and I think it correlates somewhere with the idea when I uh, was studying here in 2019, when we took we learned something about like Mexicans try to attack in the 19th century, try to attack Americans somewhere here. And then Mexicans didn't have a lot of like uh, force power, so it means it's it's kind of uh, close to philosophy, but it works when side which has uh, so small capabilities to like to fight uh, to have classic fight against huge enemy will find another ways mm -hmm. uh, how we can uh, avoid you know uh, direct uh, contacts. But, uh, for example, sending some small recon teams in order to make them bite the enemy, like you know, how to eat elephants. So we can we have to bite by the small. Uh, we can we can do small bites, and finally we kind of can, at least we can by uh, providing the small bites, we can affect uh, enemies' uh, mindset to. Probably to refuse of this idea to uh, conduct con offensive operations, or at least to change routes. That would happen in Kiev uh, region. That would happen in uh, Kharkiv region, uh, and also it happened in the, in the south of Ukraine and Kherson. Uh, so I think I think uh, all these uh, actions, uh, including just regular army actions. Uh, small uh, teams tactics and uh, just uh, informational operation launched against Russians. I think those like successful points to kind of to change enemies in idea to change enemies will uh, will to do offensives in this region. Okay, um, so we're we're getting close to uh, the one hour mark here, but I do a couple more things I want to ask you and then. I know you got somewhere else to be, so we'll make sure you get there on time. Um, so I guess while we're sort of talking about, you know, the things you're trying to do today, um, what would you say, what is your outlook for the coming months? You know, I know there's been, uh, at least, you know, back in, in the States here and among the schools, you know, looking at the the expected counteroffensive that, you know, we're hoping to have equipped sufficiently to have it do success as well. I know, you know, at, at least sort of in our little area, We've been watching the fight around Bakhmut for several weeks now. You know, it's a very hard position um, for the Ukrainian forces defending there. But sort of, what's what's your outlook? What's your sense of what you 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 hope to see over the coming months? 
Uh, I think the main point that um, we can't we can't uh, hold positions, uh, long-standing positions in the just in the re regular village, because village uh, doesn't give us uh, real capabilities to protect our forces. And uh, when Russian applying approaches from the Second World War just to destroy and, and to just uh, burn the whole cities and villages. So basically, we need to stick with the with the cities, at least with something that is bigger than a village, because village doesn't give you any chance to uh, for long-standing position, and that's why uh, I think Bakhmut is a uh, Bakhmut becomes an ideology of uh, how we can just uh, you know stop Russians and not let them go to break through uh, our positions. Bakhmut is a uh, checkpoint for russians uh, just to uh, make it make them slower make the slow uh, offensive operations slower as they expect uh we we are employing this Bakhmut situation just to kill as many soldiers uh, human power as we can uh they uh, for their uh, very of very active days of this uh, Bakhmut operations they lost approximately uh, from 20 to 30,000 people. Uh, of course, uh, the majority of them, they are from prisoners from Wagner, Wagner's private military company, but uh, it still uh, has influence on internal uh, internal situation because uh, all of them, all of died soldiers had families, personal families or parents. And what we we would like to see to ignite internal processes. Even I see that 80% of people support Putin, even after one year of war, they support. Uh, but uh, anyway, internal process, I think it's a key to make a coup or revolution in Russia. Uh, also, uh, Bakhmut is a kind of, uh, is a signal that uh, it's not going to be too easy for Russians just to come. Uh, it's uh, it's a huge lesson learned for us, especially uh, from flanks. We are already kind of uh, encircled, but we still maintain a few supply routes to Bakhmut. And of course, Bakhmut is a is a city which give us protection. So definitely, as as we uh, as we maintain supply routes, uh, of course, this supply is already. Uh, can uh, they already damaged by Russians? But still, we maintain these supply routes, and uh, we are reinforced. We are send, we send re reinforcements to this region. So I, I hope uh, we uh, right now, as of today, we haven't reached yet critical point uh, that will uh, tell us uh, like guys, we we should leave back. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you, uh, if we can look at the map, so in Bakhmut, it's like, uh, it's a line of cities, line of uh, cities where we operate, it's Bakhmut, behind Bakhmut, we have Chasiv Yar, where we had a headquarter for 2014, 2015, so basically it's like a lot of military objects. Uh, then we have uh, uh, Konstantinivka, it's a big, it's a city, it's a city, so basically if we, uh, get out from Bakhmut. We give Russians, uh, we give Russians, huge opportunity to go further, and and straight to these like cities. And honestly, I see it's just uh, 
it's it's funny, but we have almost three cities uh, in a row. So basically, I think it's I think it's stupid for Russians just to go through the whole cities because the distances between cities it's not like up to a few kilometers, and this heavy uh, this area have uh, like uh, heavy dense of population. So uh, you know in the infrastructure. So I see on the map. So it's actually it's very stupid just to go through Bakhmut, then to go through uh, another city behind yeah. Bakhmut, and then go to another city behind the second city. Uh, and so that's why we have uh, right and left flanks that they try to, try to encircle. But again, uh, they can go, they can get through between cities. So basically, I see that they need to encircle huge three cities, and then to organize some, you know, uh, problems for us. Then we uh, look uh, down to the south, and we see uh, Toretsk. We see uh, like small city New York. Uh, we see city Avdiivka, and we see city Marinka. Yeah, we have city New York. So yeah. it was, uh, uh, and uh, and like huge line in our huge defense line based on the cities. So basically, I think uh, we have to maintain connection and defense line between the cities, and just do not let Russians go through. So I think it's a, I think we have to make a huge trap for Russians, uh, you know, like to keep Bakhmut, you know, with us and like uh, spend their resources. Mm -hmm. uh, even if Russians still capable to launch rockets, launch people, but you know, uh, that what actually can they they have to pay price, huge price for this, because uh, especially uh, Prigozhin, he made he gave a speech that he. Like, but it's, I think it's psych more psychological operation because he said that uh, he doesn't want to give up Bakhmut because if Wagner's group uh, gives up Bakhmut, it means uh, that Russians lost this fight. So that's why I think uh, Bakhmut and Donetsk region uh, in built uh, built in uh, Putin's ideology, in the basic Putin's ideology that this is Russian cities. Uh, but uh, I think it's we have to make a huge step for them, which we are doing now, uh, killing their resources. And by killing uh, forces, we are trying to influence uh, enemies' mind. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's like back to Sunzi philosophy, but I think it, it still works. It still works. So uh, we'll see. I can't do any forecast. Uh, because uh, uh, it's very difficult to forecast all you know of operations and missions uh, results where human participate. So humans, humans is a type like it's very difficult because you don't know you you never know how your your subordinates will behave. Mm -hmm. So we are strong. We have reinforcements, but tomorrow somehow few positions with our forces just will be you know uh scared and just you know something happens and they just left positions will leave positions so basically it's very difficult to predict some uh, some uh, some results some uh, like uh, what will be going on there but still uh, i think 
I think or some such situations they uh, they motivate us like uh, our forces we have uh, heavily packed with the forces in this region so it's like uh, it's motivation for us it's um, it, it hope it, it is we give hope for our local people for our Ukrainians mm -hmm. uh, and uh, if uh, we can look at like uh, calls from uh, military to collect money and like other stuff for drones like people um, people give money a lot of money in Grimnas in Ukrainian currency but it's like you can't even imagine that uh, that it can happen so even people uh, we are very uh, very difficult situation in the economy and other uh, spheres but still people ready to participate and especially in this in Bakhmut in uh, surrounding area all those units like want to like request something they like they see they they receive a lot of support from volunteers and from our people so it's uh, so such situations they uh, unite they uh, they unite our people they reinforce our mind our mindset to stay and to resist uh they will they will uh, definitely shape our outdoor our ideology and of course when you sit in the position one position and you know that guys on the right flank and on the left flank they are also sitting in these positions and you are holding the huge line so basically it's like you support uh your neighbors and your neighbors support you mm -hmm. So it's very mixed with the psychological effect, effects, with the mindsets, with the ideology, and in the context of the global Ukrainian uh, ideology, okay. something like this. Yeah, great. Um, so last question, and then we'll make sure we can get you on the road on time here. Is is there any any last message or words you'd like to leave with our audience listening here, or the ones who are going to listen to this afterwards? Mm, uh, the last uh, last message, I think. Um, Generally, I don't see huge changes between Second World War and now. Um, in any case, if you need to get any positions, you apply huge amount of artillery shellings. Uh, you use aviation. Uh, you use, of course, uh, heavy vehicles, tanks, infantry fighting vehicles, uh, going through straight to the field to this position. Uh, but uh, um, you know, uh, we have you have to have on somewhere on the flanks air defense guys. Uh, you have to have somewhere also hide it in like uh, in some hole in the ground guys with uh, uh, eyes. Uh, so it means drones, drones which has straight connection to artillery. So basically, it's they can cover all these positions. So and. A lot of amount we need a lot of amount drones even chinese mavics they save lives they save our defense line we can lose them at only in one position one platoon can lose up to two mavics three marks per day because they are not protected they just civilian mavics we use them for recording weddings but right now we are recording totally different things um also uh i think uh you know, uh, we don't have to forget about mines because when uh, Wagner or any Russian forces they go straight to your position, uh, you know, under fire, um, I never seen any soldier uh, in this war to look uh, 
look at the ground. So mm -hmm. actually, they just go uh, under fire, they lay down, uh, but they are very stressed. They are, they are also human. They are afraid. They are scared. Though that's why if in our positions, in some places, we would mine it. So I think we would, uh, or and then just to remind again, this in front in front of this position i think it's the best the best chance to avoid to destroy and to kill uh, waves of russian uh, offensive actions so i think uh, not global changes and we need just to apply something from the second world war and uh, mixed with the drones and air defense approaches and of course with comms uh, and Starlinks and all these approaches and the satellites, phones, even if uh, we know that Russians can uh, identify, they can identify easily like uh, cell phones, but uh, it's honestly, it's like it's, they don't have a lot of uh, special contexts to identify cell phones. Okay, uh, satellites, they do have a few cars uh, who, which can provide like satellite jamming, but those cars are the main cars in the victory parade for main main nines. So basically, it's like they play a role as a tanks T14s to be to form a parade uh, box, you know, in the victory square, but not to be deployed uh, somewhere. So I think uh, yes. Uh, and we had cases when our guys used uh, Starlinks at the base, and then this base was uh, totally destroyed by rockets. Uh, but we had a lot of successful uh, situations when first rocket was just launched maybe 50 meters from the base. All guys ran to see what the hole is, what the size of this hole, to take photos in this hole. And then second is third rocket just launched. So basically, it saves lives. I mean, uh, guys just uh, just uh, went from, they left base, they ran to the hole to see what's going on. And then second, the third rocket, they just destroyed and destroyed bur and burned the whole base. But uh, all this uh, conspiracy theories that Russians can locate your Starlink and like all bases, all units who are using uh, right now Starlinks are like in danger, I wouldn't say this because it's more conspiracy theory because Russians have drones. In this region, they have drones. They can see easily and locate easily your unit. So it doesn't matter what you use, Starlink or two Starlink mm -hmm. or satellite phones. It's uh, you present your presence there and the military unit has some indicators like military vehicles, uh, you can see uh, paths from the cars, roads, like freshly, like driven road, mm, uh, trash. So basically, it's uh, it's more about uh, discipline, I think. Uh, do hide your uh, living, like uh, 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 living stuff. Uh, as, as it also can be applied to our positions because, mm, okay, in some in Donbas in near Bakhmut, they they know everything like uh, about us all these positions they just uh, know no trees nothing so it's impossible to conceal this but if it's if it is impossible to conceal your position you have to go deeper and that's it uh, and mine 
in front of your positions. Uh, uh, but uh, anyway, it's like, uh, uh, I think it's about, you know, so we have an expression that uh, shovel is, uh, is a good friend for soldier. Mm -hmm. So go deep, go deeper, yeah. go deeper and do not uh, lay down your trash around because uh, what, I, what I observed, Russian soldiers, they just, uh, and also we have, we also have problems with that, but that's why lesson learned. They, uh, they eat their like uh, MREs and they put trash everywhere. Yeah. And, all, and for even freshly coming uh, drone operator, it's very easy to see that some guys live there. Or if they if they tr they try to collect some uh, like uh, they stole different things from houses, and of course they try to uh, just walk on the street with the stuff and to to go to some whole house, we just observe them, and we just blow up after they collected in this house. Uh, we have a lot of patriotic people on occupied territory, mm, and uh, to make my conclusion, uh, so. Uh, we uh, we will to fight uh, our intent to uh, to bring freedom to our territory according to internationally recognized borders in 1991. We don't have any intents, any will to attack Russia, to uh, to hold Russia, to take Russian territories. Uh, we want we want just to be to have our independent independency and to have something that will uh, forever keep Russians out from our territory. This question is very difficult. Uh, I don't know. I don't know answer for this. Hello, magic. Some some magic stuff, but definitely will uh, in the future we'll have to have something to influence our enemies uh, ideology. Do not start again mm -hmm. offensives. Uh, also, we are we are capable. We show to the world that we are capable to learn fast all this European and Western, you know, techniques, vehicles, and all that stuff. Uh, we are even capable to learn how to use stingers from using YouTube video. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good example that uh, if you want to survive and if you uh, honestly fight for your country, I think it doesn't matter uh, from whom you, you know, from whom you get vehicles, even it will be some you know, uh, some unknown language or it doesn't matter. So uh, basically we we have guys who know how to use these vehicles. We know guys how to use any other uh, Western vehicles and uh, Western weapons. Uh, we are ready to uh, learn more. Uh, we are ready to try more innovative weapons because this war requires uh, classic and some hybrid approaches. Uh, and uh, one of my uh, last words, I would dedicate this to uh, uh, Marine uh, Marine Corps. Uh, Marine Corps, as uh, uh, I think this came from my point of view. I'm here, so I think uh, I would like to uh, to see some uh, to request some Marine uh, support. Marine Corps support to Ukraine because, uh, as I know, we d don't have like uh, straight support from Marine Corps. Uh, and I'm asking not about F-18s or something like this. Uh, I am glad to ask uh, vehicles, simple vehicles, uh, unable amphibious vehicles. Uh, I think uh, 
and it's not about just to ask and to make requests uh, because it's easy to request but i would like to explain uh, to uh, marine society that uh, this uh, on the south this exact that we would like that i would like to launch uh, like uh, our future conference operations uh, i know russians week uh, we know each almost each building where they live right now we uh, have eyes there we have people who can just meet us at the shore uh, on the other side of the river yeah. and, and lead us to any whenever we want uh, we know that people are waiting for us uh, we know that uh, because of lack of this smart pro smart rockets we still can you know can reach all those buildings all the targets but russians they live there we like uh, we uh, definitely know and we definitely can uh, influence this area uh, and they uh, they keep uh, national russian national guards in the south of ukraine just to stabilize situations uh, just to block people just to set checkpoints uh, they have some limited amount of vehicles there and i feel like they are weak where they are so weak there they moved a lot of uh, human and vehicles power to the donbas and that's why and i also identified some directions for our counteroffensive actions so that's why i think this is a good point to um, request this support because i have very detailed explanations why we need this uh, why we need to in a short period of time to transfer people uh, from one uh, side of the river to another side of the river and we need to accumulate huge core of power uh, very fast uh, on uh, having some protection armory protection and just uh, make uh, finally make our counteroffensive operation uh, and I think uh, that's that's a point uh, this is a huge uh, this is a huge opportunity for Marine Corps maybe step up it's like uh, from the leadership and to uh, you know to show their presence to show their presence like uh, you know here in the internal military processes mm -hmm. you know at the high at the high top uh, official military level uh, basically because this uh, part of land requires exact uh, figures yeah yeah so basically I, I don't want to ask you know space command in any lasers in other i'm asking you know i'm asking simple simple vehicles and it's and we all both understand that uh to teach driver how to use uh driving wheel it's much easier than to fight to to teach pilot to fly so that's why and uh and this and this correlates with the timelines for our uh for our like counteroffensive so we can we can wait so it's it's time flies fast like supersonic jet so we have to go we have to apply these techniques and um, and then i think why why uh, this uh, might explain why ukrainian uh, officers were sent here to study so not only to you know to see Washington DC and Quantico and Marine Corps Museum I think it's I, I think it's more about experience and uh, now this experience uh, 
really help us to survive and to win this fight. Yeah, well, I think that's that's a great point to end on. And I was making a note here. You know, you were talking about how the things you learned here when you were in Quantico from the command staff college and, you know, the Ukrainian military has been a learning organization, uh, you know, very, very quick and adaptable through this process, um, you know, but also like we are watching you, right? Like, and that's that's part of why we were, we were very humbled and uh, grateful we were able to get you here and have our, our audience. And then we'll share this with our, our larger audience once I post it. But, you know, we're watching and learning from you because you are, you're fighting the 21st century warfare and demonstrating all kinds of ability on the battlefield. So, you know, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'm, I'm sure Marine Corps University is glad that its lessons have been translated to the battlefield, you know, but it's, it, it's reversed now. I think you're, you're setting the example of how to fight in the 21st century and we're all watching and learning and uh in hoping that this is this is the the crucial year that uh you you have your success and finally push those for push the russians back to where they came from um okay we have gone i think pretty well over the time um i hope i'm not getting any any nasty looks from over there but um pablo thank you very much for your time i appreciate you coming down here and again mr haskin from cdet uh thank you for making him available and this is a great opportunity and i look forward to getting this one out to uh, our, our wider virtual audience and to all of you online, um, thank you for your uh, your questions and for uh, and for dialing in here. We'll have another uh, episode coming next week, but I'll pass details for that later on. Um, we'll let you uh, get back to your day here. But again, thanks for dialing in, Pablo. Thank you very much. And uh, to our audience, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us. As always, we depend on support and feedback from the Team Crew Lack community to constantly improve our offerings and reach a wider audience. So if you have feedback on this episode, please take a moment to fill out the survey linked in the show notes to help us do better. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the like button and subscribe to our channel on YouTube or leave us a review on the podcast app of your choice. It truly does help us reach a wider audience. Thank you as always for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. Education is what's important. Training, preparation for the expected. Education, preparation for the unexpected.